Welcome everyone, you're listening to perhaps watching Not Sauce for Work on the Hot Sauce Sports Network. I am joined by my co-host Terry Tam. Uh, we got a great show today. We have an uh, interview with uh, Marco Briette, uh, former Alouette, uh, current Alouette broadcaster. Um, always always love having Marco, man. He's, he's, he's probably the, one of the funniest, the most natural, the, guys that, the, the one that makes me laugh, one of the guys that makes me laugh the most in the, in the world, I think. Yeah, like just the way his 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 cadence, the way he speaks, the sarcasm. He's he's a little edgy sometimes, but you know he's he he, he gets the joke. He gets puns for sure. I do have a question. I have a question for Peas before we start this show. Yeah, what are you wearing? So my wife was. I'm I'm colorblind. Uh, my wife was not around this morning to help me get dressed. Um, I thought the shirt was a dark gray stripe, and I will say this, Eagle, you can you can admit this though that it looks different in person compared to what it looks like on camera. I've tried to adjust this camera to make yeah. it as clear as possible, like reduce the brightness and pick up the color and everything. But yeah, it's it very much white on white in a lot of ways, especially with this lighting. It, it's not. So it's it's a, the shirt actually is a purple stripe. I thought it was a gray dark gray stripe. Uh, it was supposed to be like a dark gray shirt and then a light gray jacket, you know, that whole thing. Like, this is what I can do to kind of like make it a little bit better, but it doesn't not, get much better, right? No. Like, like this is what it normally is, so clearly not. Yeah. I'm not going to make you a ghost. Yeah. But, Thank uh, you for not making me a ghost. Yeah. It's appreciated. So I'm trying here. I'm trying. Yeah. Um, I, uh, oh, I, look like, right there. I look like a televangelist, um, so I can save your soul. I can save your soul, Terry, if, uh, if that's what you were worried about. Um you know, Listen, know that know that you can confide in me. Just send me a check, and I will uh, free you of your demons. But the check has to come first before he frees. Yeah, you. obviously, yes. I don't. I can't free demons for free. They won't let me. Demons are very uh, grounded in the real world. They need money. I don't think anybody can save my soul. I think my soul's gone for eternity. What about Jewel? Can she save your soul? Um. If there's one person, it would have to be Jewel. I mean, she has to be. talked about it a long time ago. So, like, you know, yeah. you figured it, come, it would have come through by now, though, right? There's precedent there. Oh, you know? <laughs> uh, so great show for today. Um, for those who have already subscribed, those who have already uh, followed us, those who watch, please continue to do so. For those who haven't, please do that because that's how we keep the show on the air. Uh, we do that through advertising, and of course, the more people subscribe, the more people watch. Uh, the easier it is for us to get this show to you guys for free. Uh, otherwise, um, we're gonna have to resort to robbery, and we already yeah. have members of our of our team that are pro robbery, so we don't yeah, want to exactly. resort to that. I mean, listen, if you, you don't want to be robbed by the guys that are pro robbery because yeah. they just don't care. Yeah, they don't see an issue with it. They don't see an issue. Yeah, with it. just, it's like just part of life, you know. So Terry, you're you're wearing your Pacers hat. You're a Pacers fan. As we know, we've discussed yeah. this on that. So I, I'm, I'm going to take it to assume you've seen the, the Malice of the Palace uh, documentary on Netflix. I had a chance to watch it. I was a bit late to the party. A lot of people watched it before I did, but I kind of wanted the dust to settle first in order for me to watch it. Perfect timing. Waited for my girlfriend to go to bed. Actually passed out on the couch. I was like, I snagged the remote quietly, mm -hmm. went straight to Netflix, and it was there on my profile as if it was sent to me from the basketball gods of Indiana. We're I, talking... Terry, uh, this isn't Bobby sent Knight. to you by gods. This is sent to you by engineers and nerds like me who know you're going to watch it. It, it was, it was okay. Netflix reading the text that I sent you immediately after watching, saying, yo, you got to watch this. Or the gods, Larry Bird, Bobby Knight, Reggie Miller, Austin Crozier, the gods of Indiana basketball. Okay? Well, the good thing about those knights is about those um, about those uh, gods of Indiana basketball is only one of them has choked a player. So exactly, it's that's pretty godly point. behavior. It's a, and only one of them has launched a chair across a, a gym full of kids playing basketball. Exactly, exactly. Same only one though. One. Same guy. <laughs> um, um, only also only one of them grabbed his throat and grabbed his balls at the same time, to, and. To, and did that to, towards a celebrity. I um, I I remember when that happened, and yeah. all I remember specifically because there wasn't a lot of footage about about the event, which I found surprising because it's a televised game, so obviously there's cameras everywhere. I remember at night there was a lot of stories about like that sports center at night. There was a lot of stories about like you know fans' responsibilities and and you know fans sh shouldn't be getting on the court and all that stuff. And by morning, by the next morning, whenever I woke up, uh, the narrative had changed and it became 
about the the thug NBA player, and then of course the the um, we saw the the institution of the the, the um, dress code in the NBA. Um, a much tamer image was was put forward uh, that was supposed to be safer for the for the uh, players. The players involved sorry, safer for the fans and, and more digestible for fans. Um, the other side of this is that the players involved. I only found this out by watching this documentary. Um, they couldn't talk about what happened because of all the lawsuits. They couldn't. So while everyone is calling are, are calling them thugs, and it was, it was super uncomfortable to hear the language. Because again, it happened in two thousand four. Um, it's 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 a few years ago. We're watching this, and I, I don't know about you, but I felt like the language was really uncomfortable. Like nobody would talk oh, yeah. about other humans the way they talked about them. And, when they you know, they showed they showed like snippets of like of news brought and news anchors mm-hmm. just like talking about them, and they just how they filled the sentence with different anchors and how they were all kind of on the same page talking about how despicable these athletes were, how they were thugs. And the NBA undeserving needs to send a millionaires and ugh. yeah, NBA needs to send a message, a clear message. Like, listen, should they have ran into the stands and beat up people? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Were they antagonized? Were they pushed around? But to do that, absolutely they were. So, like, listen, I'm not defending them running into the stands. They they got their suspensions and whatever. At the end of the day, my issue, my main issue with the whole thing, and I don't even know this was that there was no, like, arbitration. There was no meeting about it. It was just David Stern's, like, fuck everybody. This is what I'm going to do. And Jermaine O'Neal's career, your, your career is over. And this is this is after 9-11, right? This is, like, the world should be on high alert. That was a life-changing moment for the entire world, right? And there's three, <laughs> there's three police officers at the game. It's the security for the game, really. I I couldn't believe that. I couldn't believe that. For a game where we know what it it meant, right? I mean, going into that game, like even they showed it in the documentary, the hype around that game because that was the Eastern Conference Final. The winner of that was potentially going to win the championship that year. So, And I remember remember, uh, Metal World Peace hitting Rip Hamilton in the face for no reason. Yeah. I remember how that game ended. Yeah, exactly. So... You knew there was already some tension there. For them to send only three cops is crazy to me. And in Detroit, Detroit's not like Detroit's known. The fans are known to be a little on the loose end. You know, they're they're a little crazy. They got hey, a couple um, screws loose. I'm gonna put you in the position of one person in this documentary. It's not Reggie Miller as much as as much as you'd love it to be him. Well, I mean, um, how can I be him? He's the best player of all time. I'm not even close. <laughs> it's not Jermaine O'Neal, who again second best player of all time. You know, great player and all that. The guy whose shoes I want to put you in is the guy in the Detroit Pistons jersey who gets onto the court and decides it's going to... like So how quickly does he realize, oh, fighting Ron Artest is a really bad idea? It kind of looks like it kind of looks like he stumbles onto the court and then looks up and sees Ron Artest in it. And he's like, all right, we're, we're going to do it now. And then yeah. like, Ron Artest is like, yep, I'm dying. Because the, si- like, the size of not just height, but just the frame and, and like the muscularity of, of Meta World Peace in his prime, right? Um, against yeah. the guy who looks like us, worse than us. Yeah, and yeah, the worst part is that guy got carried out in a stretcher. All he did was just get punched in the face. He got carried out in a stretcher as if his neck was broken. They were gonna milk everybody. Like yeah. that whole they handled that situation poorly. And I don't, I didn't know the ins and outs of it. I don't think anybody did really until this documentary came out. And you know, good on them for exposing what what happened. I think what David Stern. I was always a David Stern like kind of supporter. I mean, I, I felt like. What he did for the NBA was good. Oh, he obviously he, he took he silver took from, a le- from a league that was on tape delay in the finals yeah. to being the multinational game it is now, where the NBA is huge in China, the NBA is is huge in in well, I mean, it, it, basketball's always been big in Europe, but we're seeing the influx of European players and the the thing that people said about NBA play, about European players in the past that's no longer a narrative because of how good these guys are because their dreams now are playing the NBA in a way um, it wasn't necessarily the case uh, back in the day. So, so what he did was absolutely excellent. That doesn't mean that um, he's free of blame. And, and David Stern was uh, the opposite of Adam Silver, Silver in a lot of ways. He did run a league with an iron fist, right? So that was kind of his thing. Uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah. that's, that's the documentary. You know, when, you're in, when you're in the league, when you're a commissioner of a league, you can't make the decision. It, he, there should have been 
like an appeal against David Stern mm-hmm. for making that decision on his own. But anyway, it is what it is. It was a great documentary. If you have a chance to go watch it, yeah. it'll give you, uh, it'll make you believe that Reggie Miller is the best player of all time. He, I moved him up three spots. Yeah. In my all time great. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. He, he didn't even play that game. So that's how good he is. <laughs> hey, if he plays, does that even happen? Who knows? Uh, I don't probably. think so. Probably. <laughs> um, so that, that's it, Terry. I'm glad you watched him. Glad we were able to have a talk about it. Because again, getting to, getting to watch it with Montreal's foremost Pacers fan, uh, that's pretty awesome. I'm going to talk about it with you. Uh, but let's yeah. get to the news. Terry, it's the news. No, but seriously, now you can hear it again. Ah, Terry is the news. Sorry about that. I had to. We have a visitor at the studio, and I let it, had to let him buy me, so I was away from the mic. That was the beautiful nope. face of Mo Khan, in case you didn't notice. Um, Mo Khan is uh, he's there? Is he teaching how to tie a bow tie? He's not, but I'm, I'm now that I know Mo knows how to tie one, which we're gonna learn later in an interview with Marco Royette. Um, I uh, I'll use that service uh, whenever I need a bow tie tie because I I can't do it I can't do it myself. Um, Terry, so the Deshaun Watson case continues to get murky. Um, the accuser the the accusers were offended by a lot of the questioning, saying it was it was largely inappropriate. There's a lot of victim blaming. It that's you know defense lawyers 101 is to try and make it appear as though the the accusers are not above reproach. Um, are you surprised that he's not on the commissioner's special exempt list? That with with now ten criminal uh, complaints against him, um, he's not on the commissioner's exempt list, and it looks to be ready to start the season. What do you mean he's not? Oh, wait, the commissioner exempt list is what? It's for him not to play, or for him to play. So the commissioner exempt list is is essentially um, a tool by which the commissioner can suspend a player. Um, oh informally while waiting for information and then essentially let's say he gets uh, gets found out that he's not culpable uh the commissioner can then you know give him back the funds that the that they, the league took from him and all that you know what i mean so it's it's sort of like okay, a temporary david stern light <laughs> yeah it's roger goodell's david stern light so in that case i'm very surprised that he's not on the list I mean, well, Antonio I Brown was on it, right? Like when when they were investigating some stuff around him uh, in that season, uh, before he had said he was going to come back. Basically, they used it to pre-suspend him until he showed up and took his suspension. Well, Antonio Brown did did stupidities, and he also he also tried to embarrass ownership, mm-hmm. and I think that's why he was on the list. But Deshaun yeah. Watson is just kind of defending himself outside with the courts and his lawyers and all that shit. I'm surprised they haven't put him on yet. Honestly, I think that. There's no reason to why he should be playing this year. There's no reason why he should be playing this year. So, if we look at it, I don't. I'm not comfortable with Deshaun Watson with all these accusations coming out of him being able to play freely. But I don't think he should play either. Like, yeah, I himself, think it, I, I think whoever's advising him is not necessarily looking out for his best interests. Um, yeah. There's probably an agent who profits from him earning a, a paycheck, right? So yeah. so who's actually going to be starting QB for the Texans? Because he was like listed as fourth string or something, Taylor. right? What's his name? Tyrod Taylor. Oh, God. Tyrod yeah. Taylor is going to be starting QB. Yeah. Tyrod Taylor, he just finds himself in these situations, huh? <laughs> and he's going to get stabbed in the He's going to get his lung punctured in four by weeks. By Deshaun in. Watson. Yeah. He just, he just finds himself in the worst possible backup quarterback situation ever. Well, so, he was he was um, the backup in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? No, he was in, he was in Buffalo. Buffalo, he was in where he was a starter. Didn't B.J. Manuel take his job? Was it, or did Josh Allen take his job? No, I think you're pretty sure Josh Allen took over. Yeah. So Josh, he, so he, gets, he was, so he he was with the Chargers? Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. Buffalo, he loses his job to Josh Allen. Goes to Cleveland, loses his job to Baker Mayfield. Goes to San Diego, loses his job to Justin Herbert. Now he goes to the Texans thinking, I'm going to just collect a couple million dollars and be the backup. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, fucking Deshaun Watson's not going to play. And he's going to step up and he's has to be the guy for this the worst team in the league, basically. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, this guy is in every worst situation possible. So, off-camera, Mokan uh, 
reminded me that while there's been 10 criminal complaints, he hasn't been formally charged by the DA as of yet. So, so that's, that's in that why. case, he's free to play as much as he wants yeah. until it's all done. But, but I, you would assume, you would assume though, that if ten people file a criminal complaint, that he will be charged, right? Like, I don't, I can't think of a precedent. I'm, I'm actually wondering why it's taken so long. Money. This is usually why that, these right? things take so long. Because if if someone without money has this issue, they get arrested that same day. Um, but yeah, so he has lawyers basically making this take long. Essentially, so Tyrod uh, Taylor is listed as number one right now. It's Tyrod. We he corrected Tyrod us a Taylor couple years ago. He's listed as number one. Backup Jeff Driscoll. Oh my god! <laughs> and then Davis Mills. Never heard of him. Probably a rookie. Yeah. But uh, Tyrod Taylor is a starting quarterback on the depth chart right now. Deshaun yeah. Watson's at number four. So well, he's. I mean, I mean, given the list of players you read, he should be the starting quarterback. Um. Jenny Taft uh, had an interesting um, reaction to Skip Bayless on uh, on his show. Skip Bayless made a comment about Mike McCarthy, your beloved Mike McCarthy, uh, yeah, Terry. Love him. Um, and it, let's play the clip and let's see uh, Jenny Taft's reaction. Have you seen this already, Terry? No, I haven't. Great, even better. Well, his, his motivational speech was the most inspiring, but criticizing his appearance, I don't know if I think that is a fair shot for Mike McCarthy. I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, Chris Broussard. Thanks, Jenny. I appreciate that. I don't think it is a fair yeah, well, I don't Yes, this girl. Yeah. I never heard of this girl. I never watched the show, but I don't either. I just I see the clips on Twitter because that's where I live now. She's the best for doing that. Yeah, the best. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, her name? The one thing I will say is, why did her college coach have to catch a stray? Yeah, like, I don't understand. This this, co- this college coach is just at home, like, oh sweet, I'm gonna check out Jenny. You know, great. Maybe grab a snack. Maybe not. Maybe out. Thanks. Yeah, the episode He's airs and immediately shot. his yeah. phone starts going off from a bunch of media saying, and you want to make a comment on what she said. God damn it. Fucking guy's taking ricochet shots. What's her name, this girl? Jenny Taft. Jenny Taft? Yeah. Great. So She's yeah. number one. And it, like, So that show has a lot of like, just like Stephen A's show on, on, on ESPN, um, has a lot of these like contrived media arguments where they never – agree to a thing right so they have to even if they agree in real life they have to form an argument and debate it um but that was a legit argument like you could see the anger skip Bayless, like how dare someone uh come at me with with, with this kind of thing you know tell him he's wrong and then she's like i'm allowed to have my opinion on a show like on the show and she's 100 percent right but it's yeah, she's a cast just, member on the show yeah it just kills the ego of fucking skip Bayless because he thinks that everybody cares about what he thinks like well that guy's a fucking doofus just to just to put what Skip Bayless is into perspective, Skip Bayless follows zero people on Twitter, which to me means his what he's saying by saying that is but he has my like voice is the only one that matters to me. <laughs> but he has he has like sixteen burner accounts and like yeah, proven true, yeah. to have yeah. burner accounts. So like, yeah. And Mike McCarthy, hey, does he need to lose some pounds? Absolutely. But it's not my problem. It's not it also doesn't make him problem. a worse coach. What makes him a worse coach is his inability is to coach the game. Coach. I will say that. Like, bad coach is that he's not a good coach. No joke, though. I was ready to uh, make fun of Eagle last season before Dak Prescott got hurt because he had such a garbage playbook the entire time he had Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback, right? We've gone through it. Like all, Statistically, the most ISO routes in the NFL was always the Packers. Um, never did anything to help out that situation with, with subpar talent at the skill positions. Um, but then when he got to Dallas, it was this wide open, super fast paced offense. And like, I know they weren't winning games, but they were exciting to watch. And Dak, Dak Prescott was on pace. No joke. I, I read this, I read this this week as I was doing research for fantasy. Um, he was on pace to throw 7,000 yards last season. He, okay. So That's Dak insane. Prescott played like, played like eight games, right? Eight or nine six. games. Something like six, six games. games. Okay. So Dak Prescott played six games. In those six games, he broke the record for the most 450-plus yards games in an NFL season with yeah. three. I didn't in even three. know that was a record. 
I didn't yeah, know that was so possible. he has the most games of 450 yards plus yeah. or plus, and that's impressive to me. So let's see what happens. I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks. You know, MRI in his shoulder now. What's going to happen? It's going to keep me on a fucking loop. I'm going to be nervous before the first game. But uh, I'm, I'm excited for the Cowboys. I'm, I really am. I'm, I'm continuing my streak of not watching Hard Knocks. Um, all right, I'll tell you about it every week. No, this is what we do. Is that when, we're all, when they're all done, once you've seen them all, Eagle's yeah. going to give them an artificial title based on what the episodes were about. And then okay. I have to guess what happens. And then you can correct okay, me. Okay, perfect. You'll probably nail it every <laughs> single time. And if not, to just lie to me and tell me I did. Yeah. So many enablers in my life. So many enablers. Um, The, um, the, uh, some news came on the NBA, Terry. Um, There was some talks about tampering, uh, which happens all the time. The NBA is the league where there's probably the most tampering. Uh, Although it doesn't, so players attracting other players isn't considered to be tampering. It's only when the organization gets involved because it's a different, sort of level of responsibility. Um, according to J.J. Redick... stop guys from asking their friends if they want to join their team. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, J.J. Redick intonated that it was David Griffin of the New Orleans Pelicans, uh, the GM of the Pelicans, which I guess didn't make sense because one of the big chips the fall was that uh, Lonzo went on to join the Bulls. So th- that's, that's kind of where that's at. I mean... What what is tampering when you're just gauging information? No, like yeah. am I if as a GM I'm not allowed to like see a guy if I see a guy and I ask him, hey, any chance you would join us in the off season? Is that illegal? Yeah, well, I mean theoretically, yes. You can't talk to them. So all if they're them. playing a golf game and there's a foursome, there's this guy David Griffin. He's playing with JJ Redick. In that foursome, they wouldn't. They hate guys. each other. <laughs> Whatever, you know what I mean. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's asking, and he, he asked Lonzo, he asked CJ Redick, I asked Lonzo Ball or whatever, I asked LeBron James to come to this team. That's considered as tampering? Yeah. And then, I mean, if you remember, Magic Johnson in an interview said something about like going out to pursue Anthony Davis. This is when oh, yeah. he was still GM of the, uh, of the Lakers. And he remember was that. fine, and they lost the draft pick because uh, that's considered tampering. I guess you have to you have to set a line. You can't have a loose line, right? You can't have it where yeah. you can't you can't have a loose line. You have to have it where it's um, black and white, and then you figure out if how you're going to punish them after if you have to at that point. Yeah, and and um, Mokonov camera mentioned Steve Kerr when he was with this when he was GM of the Suns as well. Yeah. Um, it, it happens. It happens a lot. Sometimes more openly than others. Um, but tampering's boring. Let's talk about something really important. What did Travis Kelsey do? He was such. What's the Travis Kelsey? What? What did he do? Like he, he, his beard, his hair was on point. Dude looked combination of handsome and menacing. That's exactly what you want as an NFL tight end. And Wait, now he this. looks like a '90s sitcom dad. Eagle, bring him Eagle, the picture. I gotta see this. So that's what he oh looked like. Oh my what he is god! Like. Yeah, he looks like his brother. <laughs> he does actually. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense that he looks like his brother. But honestly, like. I see him, and it, it, he looks like he, he belonged on a show on TGIF in the 90s. He looks like he, he plays the retired basketball coach on a CBS show in the 90s. Absolutely. Yeah, and he, he, he went from coaching the NBA to having to coach like a high school team. Yeah, and he, and was he helps the them Army. with their personal problems. Yeah, and he was in the Army, and he has his own demons, and he starts dating one of the moms on the team. Like, you yeah. know. But not. Like, not do we like, just write a sitcom? And I'm genius, down. I'm down. Genius? And it's not, it's not even like a real. It's not even like a, a real uh, demon. It's like it's not like hard drugs or something. It's like he eats too much sugar. Or because yeah. again, it was it would have to be family friendly for TGIF, right? So yeah, he's like diabetic, you know, and he can't have a coke. Yeah, not as opposed to taking coke, which would be the the more modern version of that show exactly. in, in in 2021. Maybe he is. Who knows? You don't know. That's true. Yeah, maybe. That's true. Um, before we go to the interview. Who is the interview brought to you? Brought to us by today, Terry. The interview is brought to you by uh, Hot Street Fantasy. They're in the middle of the MLB season right now. It's a great chance to make quick money. You can it's uh, you can bet a lot more now than you were able to uh, with the NBA. Uh, you can get up to twenty five bucks. I think you can bet a little bit more than that too now. Um, so yeah, Hot Street Fantasy use Hot Sauce promo code. Uh, they'll match your initial deposit as a bonus. Um, go on it, man. I won, I finally won after I was on a super cold streak, and I finally won. 
I made so much money during basketball season, and I was getting I've been getting hammered in baseball. I just oh, I don't want the same feel for it. Because you're looking at it, yeah, like yeah, this guy can get an out or this guy can get yeah. a hit, and then all of a sudden you lose the bet. You're like, fuck shit. It's like five bucks, ten bucks, but either way. Yeah. Regardless, I'm still up from my initial. I won a lot in NBA as well, so I'm still up from my initial deposit. Uh, Hot Streak Fantasy. It's available on iOS only. Uh, Hot Sauce promo code. They'll they'll match your initial deposit as a bonus. Remember to watch our show irresponsibly, but do gamble responsibly. Uh, yeah. Up next, we have an interview with. Uh, former Alouette and current Alouette uh, broadcaster uh, from TSN. Joining us is Marco Briette. And we're back. Joining us, as promised, is Marco Briette. Uh, he's with TSN, or TSN is with him, yes. uh, so to speak. He is uh, Alouette's broadcaster. He's a friend of the show. Uh, he's a broadcaster with Sean Gallo, another friend of the show. Not Sean Gallo. No, Sean, Sean Campbell. Campbell, my mistake. If Sean made Gallo one was an actual person, that would be scary. Terrifying. Terrifying. So, yeah. So um, would, would there be a Mitch imagine? Campbell then? Mitch Campbell would not be successful. Sean Gallo would be super – he'd be running the network. But I think I think uh, Mitch, Mitch Campbell, Campbell is like – he's Mitch just Campbell my accountant. Yeah. He's like the tech guy, you know, Mitch Campbell. Yeah. He, yeah he only short sleeve, all the time. Only uh, short sleeve shirts for, uh, for uh, Mitch Campbell. Um, how's it going, Marco? Very well. Uh, you know, Sean Gallo sounds like a very suave name. I'm going to yeah. suggest that they exchange names or combine names, as a matter of fact. And, uh, you know, m- maybe it'll create one ultimate apex predator of a radio broadcaster. I mean, That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. and then you add you in there. So I think it's the perfect trifecta. Be like, it'll be like a like a Sean Olivier Gallo. It's a, it's a really strange menage a trois. I'd watch yeah. it. I'd watch it. That's a good one, Sean Olivier Gallo. That's a good name. That guy's like he runs a hedge fund. You know, like he's just like he's just banging broads all day. Because of your fame, Marco, uh, when you check into a hotel, I think that's what you got to go with as your suit on him. Yeah. I've been I've been using Oliver Lake over the last couple of years. I, I feel like it, it's got a little hint of prestige, you know. <laughs> what is it, Lake. Oliver? What? It's Oliver Lake. Out of Oliver Lake. Oliver Lake sounds like the yeah. setting of a town in one of those Netflix documentaries where everyone gets murdered. Yeah. Like if you go to Oliver Lake, you're not coming back. It also sounds like a name that you would get on a Netflix TV show, like a teeny show, like kind of like like a show that like. 19 year old girls watch and the guy's name is oliver lake on the show like that's what it, it, sounds. it also sounds like you're it also sounds like you're hung like a horse and you're in the uh quote-unquote movie business <laughs> i mean it could sound like that too it can sound like that too so what have you been up to marco how was the game last week the owls uh they got it done they get the first win you know, I I was quite impressed. I really didn't know what to expect, especially with them having the first week uh, by no preseason games and, and flying across the country to play the team uh, that beat them in the playoffs and ended their season in 2019. And when the game started, uh, you know, the Alouettes got the football two and out. They punt it to Edmonton. Edmonton goes on a 12 play drive, drives it all the way down the field, half settle for a field goal but uh i have to admit i was quite worried uh early on in that football game but they did a great job turning it around and played an all-around solid football game honestly they 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 looked fantastic and va looks like honestly i think he might he might win the mvp this year if he continues the way way, if he continues this path obviously this the record the schedule is going to get a little harder and all that shit but he looks really good man what are you thinking of him you know (laughs) I've said it often. I don't think this team is built, and nor do they need to score 40 points a game to win football games. They don't need VA to go out there and carry the whole team on his back. I think what they need is for him to play solid, smart football, protect the ball, limit turnovers, limit mistakes, make some good decisions. And that's exactly what he did in this game against Edmonton. I mean, you know, he played a good all-around solid game. The stats weren't eye-popping. You know, the score sheet, I think he was 
it's uh, just over 60 or 65% completion rate, uh, a little over 200 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And that's the big number, that no interceptions. And, and I think, you know, watching him throw the football, he made great decisions, threw a couple nice balls on some deep outs. Uh, I've been worried in the past about his arm strength and being able to complete those balls uh, on that wide Canadian field. But it was an impressive outing all around by him, not only as far as what he did uh, as a quarterback, but also how he helped manage the football game. Marco, the uh, the Alouettes, um, after the game, released Alexandre Dupuis. Um, he missed the game with an injury. Um, how surprising is this given, you know, he's turned 31 and coming to the season a little injured? Yeah, you know, it, it, it's a tough break for him. Uh, I, I know he had a lot of stuff going on in the offseason. I think he lost his house. Him and his wife lost their condo, or his girlfriend lost their condo in a, in a fire. Oh, and geez. then he gets released not long uh, after that. And it was nice that he found a home, you know, back here in Montreal. And, and Danny Machocho, who was his coach at the University of Montreal, brought him in with the Alouettes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't exactly know what the circumstances were that, that led to his release. Uh, I do know that the other fullback that they do have on the roster, Christophe Normand, had a great game on special teams. I think he notched two or three special teams tackles, did some great jobs uh, on the return units, uh, helping Mario Alford break loose and, and score on that punt return touchdown. So, you know, it's a tough break for him, but he's, he's a solid Canadian player. Uh, it's a long season, and I expect him to uh, to land on his feet whenever another opportunity presents itself. When you're when you're prepping for your for your your color commentary, are you looking for like funny bits, or do you like straight ahead? Like, are you asking guys like? in-depth questions like deep about the x's and o's are you asking them like just dumb questions just to find just to make the broadcast funny you know it's a mix of both uh i like to get a bit of insight into what the game plan is going into to a certain game and it was a lot easier in the past you know because in 2019 i was able to go down on the field before the game talk to the guys say hi to the coaches and kind of try and pry a a little bit of information from them. Uh, but unfortunately, given COVID protocols, I was unable to do that in Edmonton uh, this past week. Now, who knows what, what the future holds and if I'll be able to do that at any point here in the 2021 season. Uh, but I do also enjoy uh, doing a little background research on some of these guys, maybe digging up some, some little known facts that, you know, if there's a lull in the broadcast or, or, or we don't match up, for example, our, you know, our, our radio commercials with the, with the TV timeouts. I can maybe fill the air with, uh, with some quirky facts about a guy. Like something I learned in prepping for, for this past week's game, uh, Money Hunter, the new defensive back for the Alouettes, is actually the son of former Major League Baseball player Tory Hunter. Tory Hunter, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. So I, I had no idea. I actually hung on to that one. I didn't get a chance to, to use it on the broadcast last week, but uh, if the opportunity comes up, I'll, I'll make sure to share it uh, this coming Friday night. So breaking news. Know. Breaking news. Now we know. Yeah. Looking here on our, on our <laughs> network first. I mean, you spoiled it. You can't do it yeah. now. We're going to run this everywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to clip this part and just like, overload the internet with it. Fair enough. You know, I, I dug my own grave. Uh, now I got to live with it. <laughs> so, Marco, um, let's see if... Oh, sorry. Eagle has a question. I'll, I'll let him go because then my question's really stupid. Ah, yeah, so ah, mine's kind of related to the whole COVID protocol you mentioned and everything. Obviously, the CFL, this is their first attempt at this. Um, they didn't really have a season last year. What's that kind of like at the field? And obviously, in the NFL, we've heard a lot about the whole vaccine requirement. There's kind of something similar in the CFL. What are you hearing in terms of the players and the staff about the, the protocols that are in place? Well, just after this weekend's set of games, the, the CFL released their policy and made some changes as far as what the guys can do 
if a certain percentage of the football team is vaccinated, um, you know, things like going out for dinner together uh, when they're on the road, a lot of guys for the first two weeks of the season uh, were stuck in their hotel rooms, not being able to go to restaurants, uh, running the risk uh, of being fined if that were the case. So, you know, I think it's the CFL kind of dangling a carrot in front of these guys to say, hey, listen, let, let's do our part like everyone else, uh, regardless of what your views are on the vaccine. Um, you know, there, there are mixed views and everybody's entitled to, to their own opinion. Um, and it'll be you know, at the end of the day, it'll be up to every individual to, to decide what, what they want to do. But I must say that it, it was nice to see some fans in the stadium uh, in Edmonton this past week. I'm not exactly sure what, uh, what the attendance number was for that, uh, were for that game. Uh, but there were a fair amount of fans in the stands. Uh, a lot of them masked, a lot of them unmasked, you know, Alberta's got, uh, got some different rules in place right now, which actually caught me off guard. I was standing in the doorway of a restaurant to, uh, to pick up some food and a guy walked right past me without a mask on while I was putting my mask on. So uh, it took a little bit of getting used to while I was there, but you know, at, at the end of the day, football, football and the product and, and, and the play and what we saw on the field uh, was just like it was in the last time we played in 2019. Um, are, the, are the Owls allowing fans in the stadium? From what I heard, uh, they're, there will be probably somewhere between thirteen to 15,000 fans allowed for their home opener uh, against Hamilton in a little less than, than two weeks here. Now, obviously, you know, anything can happen between now and then. Uh, Roswell Legault has been uh, touting the vaccine passports uh, and some announcements coming in early September. So uh, I don't quite know what to expect. But uh, but I'm hoping that we are able to have some fans and get that place rocking. I mean, it's outdoors. Like, I get if it was indoor, but, like, it, it's outdoors. Like, we can figure it out, man. You know what I mean? Like, for for it, me, it's, it's not even the outdoors. It's how is the CFL going to survive with, like, so little revenue yeah. if they're not going to have fans, right? Like, yeah. no, uh, you can't sell your hot dogs. You can't sell your beers. You can't sell any of that stuff. So that, that for me, is the real risk here. Yeah, the gate matters more in a league like the CFL than it does, let's say, the NFL or uh, even the NCAA to, to an extent. Well, absolutely. It's a gate-driven league, and, you know, it's tough because you're dealing with football teams in different provinces that, that have their own protocols and guidelines. Uh, you have teams and stadiums that also have their own subset uh, of protocols. For example, you, you know, you look at Winnipeg uh, who are only allowing fans in the stadium if they had proof of vaccination. Uh, M- uh, MLSE just came out with the release today said that for Argos games and, and any other, other sporting events, they won't be allowing people in the stadium unless they have proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. And then on the flip side of that, you have the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who during this past week's game with the Hamilton Tiger Cats uh, had a sold out crowd uh, and, and almost sold out the week before as well. But now there's news coming out that following the first game, they were able to trace six new cases of COVID uh, back to that one football game. So, if you know, at the end of the day, I think everyone's just trying to do their best. And fans and, and people in general uh, should have the liberty to decide what they want to do. I mean, nobody's, you know, nobody's forcing you to go to a football game. Uh, but if you're comfortable with it, and you've assessed the risks and you're entitled to make the decision that you want. Marco, um, so the CFL season's begun. The uh, the NFL season is right around the corner. Um, you know, fans like myself, Terry, Eagle, we all do things uh, that, you know, we do to get ready for the season. And I wanted to compare and contrast with, like, what you did as a player to get ready to start a season. Yeah. So, like, one thing is... Uh, I make sure that I have enough meat to smoke, enough beer to drink, and I need to be in a coma exactly for 6 p.m. so that I can wake up to catch a night game and not fall asleep during a night game. Like, that's yeah. a big deal for me. The right balance of too much food and way too much alcohol. 
<laughs> well, I, I always try and make sure I have a beer or two the night before. I, I did it as a player. Uh, I've been doing it to, since I've been in the booth as well. Um, and, and unfortunately, like I mentioned, this year we don't have access to the field before the games. But I always like to go out before a game and just talk to the guys, just bullshit with guys from the other team, uh, you know, ask them what's going on, how their families are doing, things like that, to just kind of keep it light and then eventually slowly build my way up to game time uh, and get in that, that, that flow state and get in that right uh, headspace to, to get, get ready to go out there and put my face in the fan. So, Marco, I just sent you a picture, okay? And you, I need you to tell me exactly what you think, how, <laughs> what you think Pease looks like in this outfit, okay? So, if you can check your phone for me, please. I need you to break down his outfit and tell me what, by it's looking at him, what's his profession? You're a well-dressed guy, as you can see <laughs> the picture we posted. You know, you're always, you're always looking pretty spack with your, with your, uh, your pocket thing that comes out there. Pocket square uh, is what it's called. Pocket square, yeah. But hey, Marco's isn't a square. It's like a... He like just tucks in the tip and then it just comes out like a flower. But that that, yeah, that, that they're called just, pocket hey, squares. Oh. It's still a still a pocket square. Still a pocket. It's a pocket mangled square. So tell me what Pease, what profession Pease does based on his his outfit. Pease works at the Royal Bank. He has not quite yet made his way to teller. He's one of those greeting people, so he speaks to the people in line. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, what are you here for? You know, do you need a teller? Okay, stay in this line. Uh, do you need to speak to a mortgage professional? Oh, come over here. And There's wait fresh coffee line. at the I front, you know, let them know. I, I think that's where he's at with that outfit. Yeah. My, my, when I, cause so it looks different on camera than it does in person, just for some reason the way the colors look on camera. And um, I, when I saw myself on screen, I was like, my God, I look like a goddamn televangelist. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> Can I get an amen? Here, here's a couple of comments I have for you. Now, we're, we're going real light with this suit, and we're light with the tie as well. Uh, yeah. I'd preferably go with a dark tie with a light suit, but if you're going to stick with a light tie, just go with a crisp white shirt, not not that, that light blue. I, I think you could get away with that look uh, with a white shirt. If not, you got to go with a darker tie, my man. As far as the collar's concerned, I think you're more of a cutaway collar kind of guy, more of a spread. Yeah, we can definitely go with with uh, with a better tie knot there, a little thicker tie, uh, a, a better knot. I can come by, I can teach you a couple of different knots. Well, I went, we I went half, really, I we went half Windsor. I went half Windsor because it's like a, a raw silk tie, so it, it it already gets kind of fat up top. So, but you're saying full winter because of the, the cutaway. Well, you know, you know what that tells me, the half winter? What? It tells me you like the half-ass shit, and I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. I, go I do love half-assing shit, to be honest. I do. Oh, if you think he's half-assing shit, then I don't even want to know what you think of Terry's outfit. It's <laughs> oh, oh. a regular t-shirt. Uh, Marco, can I save a bow tie story that we both know? <laughs> yeah, go for it. Okay, so Marco's Marco's uh, first wedding. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, the, his um, I'm not gonna say who it is, but there was a person in the wedding party that uh, ridiculed Marco for not knowing how to tie a bow tie. Nobody Marco had a, does. Not, who knows how to tie a bow no, tie? No, it's, it's a bullshit tie. I know. So, so, you clip the little thing on the back. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Marco didn't have a clip on for his for his wedding for his first wedding. You shouldn't. You he, should never. Yeah. Yeah, he, so he had like a regular thing, but he didn't know how to do it. So this person in the wedding party is like, I can't believe you don't know how to do it. And ridiculed Marco in front of all of us that he didn't know how to tie a bow tie. Little do we know, 10 minutes later, we look to the left of us and we see him, the same person across the street at like a clothing store. And there's a guy tying his bow tie for him. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had, I had a situation where today, come... none of us know how to tie a bow tie. No, no I, I still don't. I my, do. I do. I've oh, you learned yeah. finally? Um, when, oh, when my, yeah. Oh, yeah. when my wife oh. first moved to Montreal back when we first dating, uh, she threw a surprise birthday party for me, but like, I knew that I was going to meet up with her, but we were supposed to go out like to dinner, but it was like a casino night thing. So she wanted me to wear a bow tie. I then spent about three and a half hours on several YouTube videos and like the last step just always looked like magic to me. Like where it just went from like, 
um, the, the, the things that the clown pulls out of his sleeve to becoming a knot and I couldn't get from A to B. And so I just eventually didn't do it. And then she's like, but then also, why did you also show up two hours late? I'm like, because I actually legitimately tried. Because <laughs> I actually tried to do this for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Mo Khan um, knows how to tie a bow tie, actually. Who? Mo Khan. He can't tie his own shoelaces, but knows how to tie a bow tie. Weird. There we go. You, learned, you learned a thing. You learned yeah. a thing. You learned a thing. What are the expectations, the realistic expectations for um, the Alouettes uh, as we've been waiting over 600 days for their return to the field? You know, from from what I've seen early on in the teams in the East, uh, you know, Hamilton has not looked great. Uh, Ottawa stole one in Edmonton, but also had a very anemic offense. Uh, and Toronto's loaded with some big name guys on the roster, but I mean, they've got questions at quarterback. Uh, you know, is it going to be McLeod, Bethel Thompson? Is it going to be Nick Arbuckle? Uh, I don't know. So I think the, the Alouettes are well placed to make a run at that number one spot in the East and, and get that first round by, but you know, if they can keep up the level of play that I saw in Edmonton, I would expect this team to go anywhere between, you know, 10 and 4 or or 9 and 5 over the course of this shortened 14 14 game season. Well, I have a future on them winning the Great Cup, so hopefully that pans out. Well, I, you know, you, if you've got the money to spend, uh it may have changed since this morning when I looked at it, but the Alves uh, were three-point underdogs going into Calgary, and that's with Bo Levi Mitchell being put on the six-game injured list uh, with a fracture in his leg. So you've got young Canadian Michael O'Connor, the former Penn State Nittany Lion and UBC Thunderbird, uh, had a cup of tea as well in uh, in Toronto with the Argos, uh, but it's expected that he'll be getting his first start uh, of his career on Friday night. So I don't know if the line has moved since the news broke, but I think that's a great value pick at, uh, at plus three for the Alouettes. This is, oh, okay, all right, Friday we said, eh? I'm, okay, there's no line out yet on this website. I'll get it for you, but yeah, appreciate it, and I appreciate the inside info. Uh, thank you, right, Michael. Thank you, Marco, for your time. Thanks for joining us. Do check him out on uh, TSN. Uh, he does the the broadcast, of course, like we said, for the Montreal Alouettes. Um, and now, look, Eagle. I know you're staring at me. I'm not going to say the name because I I'm I'm terrified. I'm going to once again say Sean Gallo. It's close enough. He does it with Sean Campbell. Uh, two or two of my friends of the show. Uh, great dudes, the two of them. We love having them around. Thank you so much, Marco, for joining us. Thanks, boys. Always a pleasure, and uh, looking forward to being back sometime soon here to chat some more. Uh, Cincinnati bow ties and uh, CFL football. And we're back. Yeah. We totally recorded all those things in sequence. You're still a pastor though. <laughs> I'm still I'm still a televangelist, absolutely. <laughs> you boys ready for rapid fire? Absolutely. Always. All right, let's start with our first one. Mr. Brightside. Mike Zimmer has had a lot of criticisms about his team in their first preseason game of the year, but did find a way to end uh, answering this question on a positive note. Early on, but there were some good things that you saw at the end of the half. What did you tell your guys? Uh, I told them it was a a very poor performance. We're going to scrimmage next week with this same bunch because we didn't tackle well. We made the wrong checks on uh, defense with the safeties. Uh, We throw an interception for a touchdown. go three and out the first two series terrible punts so other than that it's been great coach with only two oh that's awesome i love that i i I saw this actually live like like after the game uh or after i think it was halftime i don't remember at this point but i I remember watching i was like i need to find this clip on twitter because it's, it's genius it's like it's like looking around at what's happening right now and saying like yeah you know uh there's a pandemic, there's floods, there's a fire tornado, which apparently exists out in British Columbia. But other than that, things are going okay. Things are all right. Yeah. We're good. My my taxes are done. I filed my taxes. So <laughs> I haven't good. I need to do that. God damn it. Eagle <laughs> We're August. You should have done a long time. They, they owe me money. It's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Uh, a royal vessel, Tampa Bay Lightning winger Matthew Joseph, uh, celebrated his Stanley Cup victory by eating puts in right out of the cup. That is, and first of all, 
I want to know where the poudre comes from because the sauce looks unbelievable. Yeah, it looks incredible. Looks it incredible. actually looks like a legit Putski. Like he's from Laval, so I'm thinking like Chez Girard. You know, I don't know, maybe La Belle Provence. Like the, the cheese curds look La Belle Provence-ish, uh, but I think it look, I think it looks like a Chez Girard. I'd be curious to know where it's from. I will say I, I walked by a um, uh, sorry I walked by a um, um, La Belle Provence this weekend, and I was I walked by with my wife and I turned to her and I said, you know what? That gravy has a very distinctive smell. It's delicious. I love. I don't yeah. care that it's it's like a you know dirty poutine, whatever. It's it's great. I love it. Um, I saw that Terry, and I had a question. It brought up a question, and it made me question who I am as a person, because All despite right. looking like a religious and moral fellow, um, I was like I would never eat anything out of the cup because you know I know what a lot of guys would be doing to that cup. They they wash it every time they give it to someone else. Yeah, but just but. knowing what was in there. And the thing is, here's the thing. Does that mean that the people who think that are automatically the people who would absolutely masturbate in the Stanley Cup? Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Like, the people who think that whatever was done to the Stanley Cup is too much would probably do the thing that is too much to yeah. the Stanley Cup. So that, that, that's a me thing, right? Like, I'm the problem here. Yeah. I'm yeah, just not a good enough person. Yeah, like, I, dr I would drink out of it. Actually, we know somebody who drank out of it um, yeah, it's true, with us. <laughs> Steve Sadler, <laughs> he drank out of the cup. Of he was at yeah, Alex Killorn's party and he drank out of the cup with him. Yeah, I saw that. Um, I hope he's not very sick. I mean, all right, <laughs> next, Mr. Blindside. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars have announced that they have cut Tim Tebow. Well, actually, Tim Tebow announced that he has been cut, but same thing. Yeah, that's the funny thing about this. Uh, well, that's one of the funny things. Here's the other funny thing. When you watch film, you see why he's been cut. So watch oh, Tebow yeah. here. He's the tight end on this play, kind of acting like a fullback. Watch his block. Well, block is being kind. I mean, listen. Did the guy get there? No, but if, if you're playing in an actual game with real people, Tebow's getting lit up here, and this is like a one-yard gain, not even. Honestly, this that the actual play isn't even close to being as funny as Tim Tebow releasing the fact that he got released. The, that's the, the part that's like that makes me die of laughter with this. The, the, funniest, the funniest thing I saw about the block was a, a tweet that accompanied it saying, uh, Tim Tebow out here looking like the, like the green turtle shell in Mario Kart. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> You know, but I know exactly. But what's what's the expectation, right? Like he's thirty three. He's never played the position before. Um, there was a theory out Why there. Why did they sign him to begin with? I don't understand because because the, th the jersey sales thing don't, doesn't even make sense because the Jaguars don't get the direct sales. They they get a portion, but it all goes through rev share because it only they only get direct money if it's jerseys bought at the stadium. Um, oh. So. The, the jerseys thing doesn't make sense. There's another theory out there that Urban Meyer had was trying to get Tim Tebow to his pension because he needed like eight games to get his pension. But like Tim Tebow doesn't need NFL pension. Like he's yeah. He's but okay Tim for Tebow money. also seems like the guy who uh, would like would be like would look for a way to get more money. Like even though he doesn't need it, he looks like a stingy enough guy where he's like, hey, like I want to go get that extra pension money, you know, from the NFL. They owe me. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But he's like he's done so well for himself, both in broadcasting and, and in the NFL, right? So Yeah, yeah, for sure. It is surprising. Next, dodging accusations. A report has surfaced in the Washington Post that Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer had another protective order placed against him last year from an Ohio woman who claims that Bauer punched and choked her without consent during a sexual encounter. Uh, Bauer has gone to Instagram to uh, rebuke these claims. He is still suspended, unable to He's play. He's on administrative leave. Exactly. He's on the, uh, the David Stein list again. <laughs> David Stern list. Stern. The commissioner's exemplist. Yeah, it's uh, not. It's actually the team itself. Uh, yeah. The team itself uh, that that put him on on that leave. He. Um, so here's the thing. Again, guilty, innocent until proven guilty, and all that. And we're gonna get all the information as it comes out. The the two situations seem eerily similar, and this isn't a person who's coming out with like it's not someone coming out on social media and saying this. This is reported by the Washington Post, which is which is vetted. Um, and it's from a police report, right? So um, whether or not that even happened, we don't know. We weren't in the room, obviously. But th these two circumstances have very uh, similar situations. Like we talked about Terry last time. Uh, the source that I have in Major League Baseball believes 
that he will not play again because of the severity of these claims um, and that if this does get investigated more, uh, more information is going to come out. And that's why we're starting to see some of this information. Honestly, if he wants to save his career, he should basically um, look into settling out of court because it doesn't it does not look good for him at all. Yeah, it does not look good for him at all. And, you know, hopefully these girls, you know, they, if, there's, if there's more. You know what I mean? Like that's it seems like that's how it starts when like it's tat like like tattoos. One leads to two, two leads to twenty, right? So, yeah. uh, if he's done this once, twice, he's probably done it more. So, all right. Let's hope Mr. that Blunderside, after turning down a four-year, eighty-four million dollar deal with the Lakers, Dennis Schroeder has signed a one-year deal worth five point nine million dollars instead. You got scared of Emily? Yes. It's a mid-level exception. We talked about it last week on the show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that means. I'm surprised so, you got Dennis Schroeder's name right, though. I, I put that story in there because I knew you were going to get the name wrong, and you got it right. hard. You say it the way it's written. That's true. That's true. Exactly. So I, I was trying to explain to my girlfriend why he got – she read a headline why he took $5.9 and not $84 million. I said because his agent is probably the worst agent in the world and thought that every league – was every team was going to be offering him eighty four to ninety million dollars a year? He wanted a hundred. He wanted a hundred uh, from the Lakers. Yeah. Um, but I love how he accepted five point nine. Well, because he had nothing else. Uh, I don't, That's crazy. that. So to me, the, the the difference is surprising. I I thought I didn't think he was going to get a hundred from the Lakers. I thought it was going to cost him some money. I thought he'd probably end up signing for about sixty million. I did not expect him to be a mid-level exception. He actually wanted to sign. Remember last week we talked about the difference between sort of the the hard cap. Um, mid-level exception and the soft cap. So, like, if we your team didn't is talk about MLE, we only talk about super max and max. So ML, we MLE, I don't know what that is. It's a mid-level exception. Yes. What does that mean? So basically, uh, you can sign a player, and that fits that category, and that is money that doesn't really count against your cap. Every team gets a slot for MLE, and it needs to be a player who's played X amount of time. Dennis Schrader qualifies for that. There's two types. So if the team is in luxury tax, they can pay the higher-end one, which is like $9.4 million. So he wanted that from the Celtics. The Celtics said, no, we don't want to be – we don't want to like restrict ourselves to not going over the cap. Um, so we're going to give you the $5.9 million MLE. So he bettered himself, lost for now. Um He's a really good player, though. Like that's the thing is he is. That's why I'm like he, I'm surprised he didn't get a hundred million. This, this would suggest that he's not one of the, the top thirty point guards in the league, which is not true. Like he is. Speaking of speaking of hundred million, did you hear the news about Chris Davis from the Baltimore? Yeah, they're, they're paying him till twenty thirty seven. Yeah, so he's the new Bobby Bonilla. Yeah, Bobby baseball. Bonilla I'm, I'm happy. I'm so happy. The MLB will always give us a new Bobby Bonilla for the yeah, rest of like, time. So Bobby Bonilla is paid until two thousand thirty five. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. And now he's this guy's 2023 until 2037. Yeah. So we're gonna get an additional two years. Hopefully, there's another guy out there. There's gotta be. There's gotta be. We gotta, Who's the we next gotta Bobby see. Bonilla? We gotta see who the next one's gonna be. It'll be. It'll be fun. And last one of the day, kind of bittersweet here. Toxic. After a long-standing social media campaign, a documentary, and several legal battles, Jamie Spears has decided to step down as conservator of Britney Spears' estate. Hashtag free Britney worked, boys. We did it. The internet did also, it. The worst part about him, Jamie Spears, is that he came out and saying, I'm doing this for my daughter. I'm stepping down for my daughter. What did you do for your daughter for the last 30 years yeah, when you fucking exactly. controlled all her money in her entire life? You fucking low life. So the thing low is, life. The, the, the hardest thing is, is that, A, she, she likely can never get out of conservatorship because – the way conservatorship works is that it's an acknowledgement that you you're not uh, of sound mind to control your own affairs, right? That so you shouldn't the, be working. So the well, yeah, but the, but the thing is, the thing is, is that the court would then have to decide that she is in right mind to be able to ask to remove conservatorship, which would contradict the initial ruling, which makes it complicated. So it, it, it this could have only happened by him stepping down. Clearly, enough pressure was put on him to do so. Um, <laughs> And so look, you know what? You're not going to be profiting off of, uh, of her career anymore. So I have one thing left to say to Jamie Spears. Work, bitch. Or hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> that too. <laughs> um, okay, they're Trevor Which now that you think about it, Jesus. a 16-year-old adolescent should not be singing that song to millions. Yeah, that was the creepiest part of that documentary. Again, we we ourselves were sixteen ish when that happened, so we didn't know. Yeah, that was a great music video, by the way. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't was. be now. Um, 
Terry, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Mokan, for the off-camera commentary and help. Um, you should be here all the time. You're a much better producer than Eagle is, by the way. Better than John yeah. Factually, honestly. Yeah, better than You John actually Factual. know sports. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Eagle, for all the work you've done. And a special thank you to Martin Boyette for joining the show. But most of all, thank you all for letting me be myself. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports.